keep me on my toes late with these starts. Yeah, you know, just kind of throwing in a little napalm every now and then. But I'm the one clapping off today, so it's it's, it's on my pace. Okay. What do you, what is in that bowl, by the way? <laughs> it looked like bird feed. It's this German cereal. Okay. Okay. But it's literally like rolled oats. Okay. Steel cut ro- rolled oats. I'm honestly unsure what this is. It's some other type of cereal. Some strange feed. Yeah, like bird seed. You're right. You're eat. You're eating. You're eating like primal shit right now, which is sick. Yeah, you know, just gotta get that extra fibey in. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That vibey fibey. That vibey fibey. Okay. I'm preparing my claps. These are gonna be good ones. Gonna warm them up. And. Welcome back to class, everybody. It's a fucking you're bringing in the '80s hair glam kind of like on stage shit going on. Yeah, I was yeah. Uh, on on not I guess vacation this weekend, so I spent a lot of money, ate a lot of fattening foods, and I feel like doggy. Yeah, where the hell were you, by the way? I went to do a race. That's where you were. That's right. You mentioned <laughs> that at trivia last week. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I I am your. Uh, uh, I don't know, classic Professor Ricky. Class, like real classic. <laughs> okay, shit. good, classic. Like from our first arc, kind of bringing that back. Okay, I don't know, he's back. I don't know exactly what that is. Honestly, like, first arc Ricky was devious. I was like, I'm bringing back like post first void Ricky. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Those are good days. Those are fine. It was days. like Backstreet Ricky. Oh yeah, and I was in the backwoods this past weekend. And very at, nice oh yeah real low country in our state got to hang out went and visited my sister and all of their friends and some of the most hospitable human beings i have ever met they were just like oh you're oh you're this i'm not gonna say my sister's name on air but <laughs> you're you're her, this person's you're, relative yeah, yeah yeah you're her brother oh we show you a good time we'll show you a good time and we like hung out on a cabin on a farm that was just like like plains of grain for acres in any direction it was wonderful and we just had this this fire in the middle of like on a hill as far as the eye can see nothing just beautiful absolutely stunning shit yeah that is cool i was in reminds me of south dakota it was very like honestly it it, it felt very uh midwestern corn plain kind of shit little nebraska little nebraska no big deal um but uh I don't even know if I have a segue for this one. It's, <laughs> this this one's too classic. Yeah. What we're talking about is too iconic. It is beyond the ability to go. And speaking, speaking of classic, uh, yeah, here I think it is. that's like the best you could do. That's the best I could do. You're right. So let me go. <clears throat> speaking of classic, today. Speaking of absolute body horror show. Oh my God. The timeless <laughs> yet somehow shouldn't have achieved anything at all, in my opinion. Wow. But, well, well it, it obviously does, and it deserves everything, but you look at it, and you're like, how did this, in its time, get so iconic? And once we dive into the history and the context around this piece of art, absolute high fucking art, it does make a lot of sense as to why that this just broke through the international glass ceilings and just made, honestly, anime, from a modern sense, a a international thing of consideration before that point it really wasn't and then it's like this moment onward it's like okay anime in the modern age is a thing now 
So yeah, I think this this specific movie today actually mm-hmm. yeah. is m- very similar in my opinion to like a Death Note that we were talking about early in the show, or maybe like a, a, a Attack on Titan, which is very much like a this will get you into anime, and more specifically. These shows are the ones that let you know, like, anime is for adults. It's not just for little kitty cats. Yes. Meow. Meow. And it's, it's, and it's also, uh, it, it can be its own form of storytelling. Like, truly, this was the moment where... Full-length feature fucking film, mate. More, more so than some of the feature lengths that are coming out. Let's not beat around the bush anymore. We are talking about... A show a- that also have <laughs> Beat around the bush like another couple times. We can just beat around that bush a couple a more bit. superlatives. A couple more superlatives. But we are talking about Akira, the 1988, 1988. movie by Ketsuhiro Otomo. The person who did the actual original six-volume manga epic around the same name so goddamn like uh, uh, just from my own personal history i watched this movie only twice before we watched it today once when i was in like high school and i just didn't quite have the context for it actually watching at a neighbor's house who was like a closet weeb older brother of a friend of mine. We just like uh, were chilling. He's like, y'all want to watch something crazy? We're like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're 15. Who gives a fuck? And we were just like, and we watched Akira for the first time. I didn't know what I was seeing. Like at that point, that was Naruto. That was like Dragon Ball Z era. And I'm like, this is not anything I have context for at all. And then I watched it in 2014, like latter half of college. <laughs> And uh, I had a much better, more robust understanding of anime at the time, and it still felt unique. And now, for the first time ever, I watched it after having my biology PhD and a professorial eye, and man, there's so much to gush about this movie. Like, like, like from, from a detailed standpoint, going cold-hard analysis, there is not a lot negative to say about this work of art. Like I, I tried. I was like, what can I find in here that's a little off? And I maybe have found just one thing after having better context, but man, it is it is light given the given the context of the source material, actually. So Right. Yeah. yeah. I I mean this is definitely one of those uh those movies that if you are like a, a really deep anime fan, you've of course seen it. And I also think this is like a very big segue for people once they like get through their Naruto, get through their like big three potentially sometimes, and they're trying to look for like a little bit more like, you know, edgy, edgier anime like that. I, I think is yeah. inevitable 100%. in people's journey. And I think this definitely eventually hits everybody. Um, Cause I mean, if you start looking up like anime movies, for instance, like best of all time type lists, I mean, typically there's going to be all the Miyazaki films, which I think are pretty like early kind of viewings. And then you start getting into like Ghost in the Shell, Akira. You got, um, maybe you have like Redline Vampire in there. Vampire Hunter D, Redline. Redline's in there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean like, but, but still amongst the group, this is the one, if I were to do a light pitch that for those who either have never seen Akira and I've seen a lot of anime or haven't watched Akira and like, the last like decade and have watched a lot of anime since it's gonna feel like something unique and with the quality that i don't know is describable in a modern era like 
we can talk. I talk all day about Sakuga. I talk all day about being on or off model. <laughs> Seriously, his bosses keep telling him to shut up. Like I had in my performance review and I just brought up how amazing the CGI and Chainsaw They're Man like, was. Ricky, and- you did a phenomenal job. It's just that we really wish you would stop talking about animation all day. Right, but did you see the email I sent you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know paragraph seven gets messy, but like, come Richard, on. Richard, we saw the email and we gotta be honest, mm. not what you're paid for. Could I be paid for it? Could I maybe be paid for <laughs> Absolutely it? Absolutely not. Well, then I think I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta quit. I think I gotta. I gotta, I gotta bounce here. But yeah. So if like that's that's my light pitch. If you haven't seen it in a hot minute or never seen it at all, this, despite being, I think now thirty three years old, something of the like, you are going to have. It's still going to feel something incredibly unique, incredibly different, and I think it comes down to a number of a number of things. But first off, I mean, from a visual standpoint, it's literally two hours of Sakuga. Like, there isn't a single scene that doesn't hit in this movie. Yeah, I want to actually kind of rebut something you said a little bit. Okay. So you said, like, it's going to feel like something you, you haven't seen before. But I think, actually, if you really, like, go back in time, you'll realize that this is really a progenitor to a lot of themes that you you see very pervasive through, like, Hollywood's version of cyberpunk, through Japan's idea of what, like, the far future is going to be. I mean, really, it's, like, almost a direct analog to, like, have you ever watched uh, The Fifth Element? Yes, of course. Or, yeah, like, Element, yeah. Blade Runner or something like that. It's- see, Blade Runner actually came out the same exact year this did. Uh, was it 82 or 88 because i think the first blade runner came out i believe this maybe earlier in the same year but i think it was like damn near the same year um i can look i can i can fact check that but i will say i (laughs) i I, feel like maybe i I agree i I agree with you i agree i agree with you and hear me out i was saying from a visual standpoint even from down to the aesthetic and the character models just you don't have anything in the modern era in the last 15 years that looks like this it just doesn't look like that from a narrative standpoint set piece and just kind of world building to your point it's gonna feel like a lot of the sci-fi gritty narratives i mean from you know uh robocop to chris no one's batman to blade runner to cyberpunk 2077 like it it all it, it basically created the playbook for all of these neo dystopian sci-fi or just gritty takes on like a city environment for the setting of a story and there to your point ready player one literally gushes about this move this movie because there's like literal game items in that movie and and in the books that like oh you got a you got a commodus bike right you got, you got the the red akira bike oh my god that's sick and all of them are fucking pleased because they don't call it Commodus bike. They just say, "Oh, the bike from Akira." I'm like, "Get learnt. Get fucking learnt. Or you're gonna <laughs> get, get burnt. Bur- or you're gonna turnt. get burnt. Or yeah. get burnt. Yeah." So Blade Runner came out in 1982, which is actually when the original manga's Volume One came out. So I think around this Blade Runner might actually be kind of a, maybe not necessarily not influenced by it, but it, it definitely was kind of set apart, and they found a similar gritty sci-fi look. So very fascinating that the 80s kind of pulled that kind of thing so yeah so i do think that the blade runner aesthetic is certainly i i would say eastern influence but i do think that their version of like the cyberpunk kind of aesthetic is a little bit more like the dune kind of aesthetic 
where there's like there is science, but there's like almost this religious aspect, spiritual aspect to it. It's like kind of odd. Which again, we'll talk about later why you don't see more of it in this movie, but it isn't absent. You have individuals in this movie that play on this melding of religion and like kind of sci-fi futuristic concepts as we hear with Akira, the actual entity. But before we go into kind of like the context, the facts, I know we're both coming with the, with the juice. We both have like some good facts around this movie. We got to We got to run down what kind of lightly this movie is about. So, I mean, what you have is a Tokyo that is 31 years after world war three. They were devastated once again, you see in the opening scene of this movie, by some kind of explosion on a nuclear scale. And we don't have context for what that is, but we do know that this city, Neo-Tokyo, is standing on the ruins 31 years after that, t- that took place in their 2019. Always love watching movies that have like we're beyond their vision of the future. Right. Like Back to the Future Part 2, that future was 2015, which is very weird to feel that we're like eight years after the fact of that shit. Yeah, Um, but I think an extra interesting fact about that, so in 2019, in the movie, they're building another Olympic stadium, and then Japan, Tokyo, was hosting the 2020 Olympic Games. That is something that was not lost on me. And I'm like, I can't tell if they they thought this through or someone had the thought. So <laughs> they do know very far in advance where Olympics like, are going to be. I just don't right. think it's that far in advance. That's what I'm saying. Maybe someone knew some shit or someone manifested some shit. Like, they're just like, oh, we know this is okay. We got to have it by this time. Yeah. um, (laughs) But it's kind of interesting because, like, obviously it was a year later than that even because of COVID. So kind of like a little interesting, I don't know, like, I don't know if that was like a weird prescience moment from Otome. There was definitely a sweaty politician or like a He's on that like spice melange. He's like, (laughs) it was in Akira. We have to do it. We have to do this now. I mean, it was kind of like the blue lock shit where like the guy who did the blue lock art in the manga, like came in to help like create the soccer jersey for whatever. Yeah, but I don't think that really is exactly the same. <laughs> there's some one is a thirty year old. <laughs> one's thirty uh, years old. One is in the now for sure. But yeah, you have this. You have this grungy ass cyberpunk esque Tokyo that was rebuilt from its foundations, thanks or in no thanks to this devastation of war. And we are opened with you know there is gang violence. It's very gritty. You have two rival bike gangs at the beginning kind of clowning on each other. And that is a bit of a pun because you have the capsules. It's an extreme pun. It's an extreme pun. You have the capsules and you have the clowns. And the head of the capsules is our main man, my personal favorite character, Kamida. And he is riding the most badass bike of all time. But him and his boy Tetsuo Shima were both orphaned by the system, just they were, were kind of raised in a war-torn, um, you know, rebuilding of Tokyo, and they uh, kind of made some kind of semblance of an existence for themselves by, you know, forming this bike gang and just fending for themselves. So the real sci-fi shit kind of comes in when we have an encounter with a 
very geriatric looking blue child of some sort um he kind of looked like a zombie kid to me he looked a little bit zombie didn't he zombie-esque uh going by no other name than number 26 i believe that was his number and uh there is a close encounter between tetsuo not commented but tetsuo and this this blue smurfy child and uh turns out that he was captured because severely injured in a bike wreck uh, captured by the government at large, and it was discovered that hey, now this kid he's got some uh, got some extra special sauce. He's got some psychic powers going on over here. So they wanted to foster this. They wanted to accelerate this, actually. And as that acceleration happened, this very disenfranchised kid of the system realizes he has the power to just stand in the way of any kind of authority figure up to this point would have completely shut him and his friend gang down. So you have this weird, like kind of ramping up of this like disenfranchised entity who is trying to go against the system for his own ends. You have his friends trying to find him and are worried and you have some kind of political kind of uh, situation going on in the background of like what to do with this potentially weaponizable person that they're just going to try to like control and foster, but like utilize in some weird way. Um, it, it, well, there was kind of like another political aspect, a couple actually, where there right, was right. evidently uprising. Is it student uprisings? I think I think college maybe age. It was reminiscent to me of like the Hong Kong student uh, uprising that was put down yeah, aggressively yeah. a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, where I, I'm guessing, and and I think this is very interesting in Japan because in the 80s. They were dealing with an extreme uh, financial crisis in Japan. Was it a crisis? I thought that was more of a boom. Like the the post war economics finally took hold, and there was a huge influx of cash in like the eighties. Okay, but it's very it's very similar where there's like zero middle class. So you're either like completely lost, or you're like very much uh, it's feast or famine. And specifically in the eighties, the trope of like the parents are both off working and the kids at home by himself, like all day, like doing nothing, kind of like the idle youth kind of thing. That's it, right there. Like it very yeah. much yes. came from yes. the eighties, and it made me um, think very much like Clockwork Orange, the movie. Ooh, where classic. it's like, yeah, oh, I actually hate the movie. I think it's you fucking really don't terrible. like Clockwork Orange. I think it's fucking bad. In terms of like a horror kind of mindfuck movies, I'm more of a Jacob's Ladder fan than I am Clockwork Orange, but we can get into that in a second. But anyway, but, the yeah. <laughs> the idea I think remains where like when when the adults are away, you know, the kids just like have nothing to do but start making trouble and start like it's really like a cry for help kind of thing. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. very much that feels like kind of what's going on with all the students in the high school level and below. And then evidently, I'm I not sure what the college deal is, um, like why the uprising was going on. They didn't really go into like extreme detail on there, that, but there, there was, was a lot of like domestic terrorism going on. There was some nuance here that I think that it's important to recognize why Akira is still celebrated because I think it it melds a lot of sociopolitical kind of uh, uh, instances into the movie in the way that the story goes in the background that remains relevant on a global scale today i mean it started we see just as a world building element people riding like crazy over a tax reform which i mean shit 
Paris and France right now is having a, a pension reform revolt that like they're massively striking right now. And there's riots going on in France as we record because of this pension reform. To be honest, there's always a riot going on in France. And here we are. Right. There's always something. Right. I mean, but I, I'm just saying specifically in France, they're always spe- upset. Fair enough. They're always upset. And this one particular one, it's not important to go into it, but I will say that like I watched this on like I literally watched footage of it an hour ago of just like, okay, like this this kind of stuff that people revolt about in this movie from the eighties is still relevant today. And it's an it's 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 a really nice way to world build because it's like, okay, that that it's their it's their envisioning of the last five years for us. This movie was our last five years so i'm like they're nailing something on the head and that's the that's the writer otomo's like uh from a like a political and just kind of a socioeconomic standpoint this is the kind of shit that'd be going on well it's going on so he's kind of been dead on so i mean i love the way that they did that kind of world building and the fact that they use kind of these uh civil unrests as a way to like you know, show realism in a, in a movie like this and be unafraid to show it. I'm like, that's, that's pretty sick. I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, I do think like it is a tale as, as old as time, like the serfs all getting pissed off at the, the Lords. That's what this is. And then the peasants revolting. Like it's very, very much like a, a, you know, something that happens nonstop. So, um, but it is cool to like take those concepts in a, I think I genuinely believe like 80s Japan was quite um, like there was quite the undertone of like dissatisfaction because I from think, the youth. Yes, I think there there was that. I, I think you nailed it with like kind of the idle youth where like because of the the modern sense of the industrialization of like kind of a more capitalized mentality in Japanese kind of culture and society and stuff. There's not just an unrest of the youth, but you have the split between old and current Japan. You have this kind of separation where people believe that. I mean, the, the way the movie even portrayed it was honestly beautiful, succinct and short. It was just like like the capitalization of our nation actually is causing our complete demise. Like there's this opinion and we see people that are holding back like more Shinto traditional symbology. Like there's that one guy who seems to be leading more of a traditional uprising where like the fires, you know, he's obviously taking a more violent approach, but the fires will cleanse you. We can just burn the society down. We can go back to what we used to be. And I feel like that's a really interesting take. And it's one that I think someone writing this in the eighties would incorporate here because he saw that happen where there's this divide. Like, do we want to adhere to this more modern Western capitalized way of doing things, or should we? You say capitalize. You mean capitalist? Capitalist. Well, I say it's capitalized versus like a more traditional uh, mentality of Japanese society, like from the forties prior, like before World War Two. And they're they're just like people see that huge divide, and they're just like we don't we we don't want to be this Americanized Western way. We should go back to this traditional mentality. And that's a huge message for doing research about Japanese and the Japanese culture in the 80s. There was this massive cultural like schism between that kind of idea. Yeah, I think any like old person of any society is going to have like kind of a wistful <laughs> idea of like their youth versus like, 
I mean, even like us, we're we're thirty and we're like, wow, these Gen Zers are just absolutely off the Whatever fucking. Whatever happened gourd, to the good old days, man? Right. With I am. I mean, I honestly, shit. totally think that. So <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Um, like even in like a very microcosm of like our lives, man, I'm here for the Gen Z. Come on, bring it in. Gen Alpha, let's go. Come on. Just <sighs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, do I give a shit about TikTok? Fuck no. But do I like, do I embrace what they're putting down? I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't have, have <sighs> yours, have yours. Right. I think, I don't know. It just seems like they're all really uneducated and stupid all of a sudden. I I honestly don't think they are at all. I think they're widely educated and they're they just sound fucking stupid because when they, they have talk a different like, vernacular than yeah, we do. Exactly. That's fine. Well, that's fine. But it'll be, maybe we should just catch up. That's the whole point. All you have to do. It's my not guy, like I don't understand what they're saying. I just think they genuinely sound like they do not speak English. <laughs> all you have to do. 45 minute compilation once a week of TikTok shit on YouTube. I right? know about this. Uh, <laughs> I like I said, the vernacular isn't exactly hard to grasp. It's just it sounds stupid. That's fair. Like, okay, like you can't read a book with TikTok vernacular. You know what I mean? Well, maybe we can write one and make a bunch of money. Disgusting. Like, we, but but you money can write making, it. I'll yeah, market I'll it, it. I guess <laughs> let's let's make it work. But yeah, the, the other the other parts of this movie is like it really goes into this kind of high minded sci fi mentality of like we go from like in in like 90 minutes we go from like uh i don't know understandable esper levels levels of power to like universe not busting but creating level shit like you know and and i guess guys spoilers for a movie that's 35 years old i I don't know what to tell you if you want to go watch it it's a cultural touchstone please go watch this movie but if you don't whatever the 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 way that they pace my ability to kind of grasp like Tetsuo from a, it's shocking how fast it seems he goes from under gaining his powers to like being destroyed by them. And did you ever feel like that? The pacing got a little weird in any of that, like how fast everything seemed to be going. No, that's why it's a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> like sincerely, like you would think in two hours, this shit is some of the biggest shonen creeping I've ever like. If you were to completely pen on paper and never describe how long the show's been going, I'd be like, "Wow, that's very fast." But this the masterful way that this show movie manages to like deliver all of that in a succinct path to a guy can move a glass of water with his hand to creating his own universe. That shouldn't be possible in like a hundred minutes of storytelling. I don't know. I think um, kind of the idea, like, I'm not sure if this was the exact goal, but like the idea of like radiation, like they're standing on top of this like irradiated site, essentially. They are. Yeah. Like you expect radiation, like as you're more and more saturated with it, like you're going to die faster and faster. And then like kind of the idea of like a, a disease, like a virus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, um, obviously different types of viruses spread differently, but, um, like typically it would be exponential. Right. And so that's kind of what I view this, this power creep is more like a disease on, on him as a like spiritual entity. It's really interesting too, because I think Tetsuo is kind of, 
the way, and it's going to sound like grandstanding at first, but I think I have a case for it, where Tetsuo kind of represents, you know, Japan as a concept, because if you think about it, he never wanted any of this power. He felt very disenfranchised, even within his own group and the city at large. He gained some sense of agency. And then there are others that once he has that agency is being told, temper this. And he's like, no, I finally have this kind of power. I finally have a way to enact my own identity on a stage larger than I ever thought possible. And then at some point, it runs away even from him as as sort of a cautionary tale to everyone else. And I find it funny, too, because... The the atomic imagery is not lost. The I bacteria. am atomic. Yeah, I am atomic. And <laughs> you you said it. I didn't even think about the radiation element of that, but that was that's a really well put concept. Wow, thank I, you. You're so welcome. <laughs> but also, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I didn't mean it to sound like it Tell was. Tell me uh, more. I just want to just gush about that. But the the other thing too is I noticed obviously the. <laughs> The final scene where, you know, you know, Tetsu, uh, Tetsuo is basically he is too powerful for his own good. So he's taken away to start his own reality, his own universe. But the explosion left behind is very atomic in nature, right? Atomic. The, the light, the shockwave, and then the influx of air. When you set off an atomic bomb, you superheat the air and the real damage comes in the form of that, like vacuum that's created because of all that heat and because it's rising all this other air has to come in to fill it and you see that final scene the scientist gets killed by it a well, couple the of real months. damage is the radiation but the, the real damage is what tetsuo does to his friends hearts and that's really all of it is. no th- so i mean th- there's there's a lot of imagery for tetsuo because like the, later on when he is too powerful for anyone to control after his powers have matured he has challenged the systems in front of him and then they start to go rampant. Everyone is like, it's not his fault. Like, none of this was his fault. He doesn't want to be doing this. He goes from someone who's sick in the head to realizing that, like, this power is corroding. This, this, this power is very much, this power is corrupting. I couldn't help but notice All that power is corrupting. Absolute, absolute power, power corrupts. Corrupt, absolutely. absolutely. Exactly. But I noticed Jinx. <laughs> uh, you owe me a LaCroix. Uh, LaCroix. LaCroix. And when he got his mechanical arm is when shit really started to run away from him. I, that wasn't lost on me. Yeah. That when he Captain incorporated <laughs> when he incorporated technology into his own being <laughs> is when he is when shit went, started to go rampant. I found that a very interesting imagery. So I, I it would have been cool to like mix this and like a Ghost in the Shell type beat. I think so. Like there's there's room here for other sci-fi elements yeah. to go along. Well, here. like the idea of like the the Ghost in the Shell being like one part of Akira would have been oh, interesting. Oh, I see you. Okay, like you had some incorporated some element of Akira. Yeah, and I wonder um, if it's not like really the inevitability of of the change is really what Akira is, I think, to me. Like, okay, there's this entity supposedly called Akira as Yeah, well. we should at least talk about that a little bit. And he... So, all this, <laughs> all this psychic shit... And again, this movie's gonna feel a little bit, when we describe it, and if you've never seen it, 
pretty bonkers. There's a, I think there's a real concrete reason for that. We'll get to that in a second. Because it is bonkers. It's fucking bonkers. Um, the the government up until like the first world, like and during like the the I guess the advent of World War Three, were basically trying to develop these psychically enhanced kids. And one of them stood out amongst the rest, and it was this kid named Akira. And this Akira's power ran away so rampantly away from the control of the government and the powers that be that he basically caused another nuclear level event in 1988. And uh, from the ashes rose Neo Tokyo. But we find out the entire time Akira is basically gi- like given God status, like straight up deity. like. There are people that worship him. There are people that fear him. There are people that try to control him. But he reaches out to Tetsuo, who is like kind of the next coming of a Akira level psychic threat. And we find out, should we, should we drop that spoiler? We should drop that spoiler, right? Fuck it. Yeah. So we find out that Akira, we do see glimpses of Akira's containment unit, like a like nearly freeze dried, massive core that is like controlled within point. 0005 Kelvin, which is like insane precision. Yeah. And um turns out they said they locked him in there. You locked him away. But we see later that the him is really just bisections of his brain, his eyes, his spinal cord. They literally dissected this kid's body down to the the I don't know, the nervous system. And then captured the data they got and the last viable pieces of him in these containment units, which I find, again, rather fascinating. The compartmentalization of this nuclear level threat from a Japanese overall governmental standpoint to try to understand and then like control it. And I guess Tetsuo was like, fuck it. I want a piece of that shit for myself. So he kind of like gathers them all up and he like uh, tries to commune with akira i don't know it's funny because it's like we kind of see that he gets like flashbacks or flash forwards of his future or his past from akira it's like akira is clearly communicating with him but he's just brain slices in a jar but he never actually opens him up to try to like absorb or get more information from him you notice that he just kind of has them around yeah um I'm unsure, like, so very early on when they take Tetsuo in, into their, like, sky copter thing. Sky copter, yep, that's how um, they say it. <laughs> basically, <laughs> they say that he has he's exhibiting powers because he ran into 24 or whatever it was. Yeah, whatever. And, like, for whatever reason, their, like, psyches, col- like, colliding essentially caused this, like, Im- imprint of an aura. It, they specifically said aura in the English dub. I don't know if that like means something. But then you see these like little wavelengths, yeah, um, as like a visual representation. But what I think it was is like all of these Esper kids are like tapping into that like uh, what is it liminal space that it's like Akira this, inhabits. It's like this the tailed beast space in Naruto. It's just because their minds are on right. This it's like a, a liminal space that all these like Espers are like tapping into. Right. It's they honestly can, very similar there. to like a fucking um, like the upside down. Honestly, kind of upside down energy for sure. But yeah, only only those with the right. Basically, the right Esper power can 
go into this chat room and, and have it have a talk essentially yeah and, and like this i don't know to me the idea of like um a superpower if you consider ja- japan a superpower like doing scientific um pretty destructive testing on children i think is like more of a discretionary tale as well because, I mean, it did uh, presumably happen in World War II with the, the Nazi scientists. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they were definitely doing a bunch of scientific shit. I don't know, like... Oh, they were doing some shit. Right, but I just don't know how much you can read into, like, oh, yeah, they were trying to make fucking psychics. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's something there, I think. Well, I think it's more about, like, like what line would they not cross for at, an, an advantage in a war? Kind of, like... There is no lines they would so not cross. So, that's what I'm saying. Clearly, there's no line. Um, so yeah, you, 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 I don't know. You have like Akira as this D like it, something that I noticed very interestingly in stuff like this, but there's other tales as well from like uh, anime and mangas and stuff is that this almost duality of this deification fetishization is kind of a harsh word for it, but like almost this like exaltation of technology, but also a fear of its capabilities. And I think that ju- that a hundred percent comes from like the atomic bomb experiences that like the horrifying sublime nature of the power of technology, how dangerous, but almost how deific it can be. And I think stories like Akira show this duality in a very beautiful way. And you have shit like Evangelion, you have like Gundam does this shit too. Like this technology is this thing that is almost revered, but also feared. Right. And Akira is, is a poster child for that, that this technology and these powers are, you know, their threats, but also they're like, you know, almost worshipped in some cases in something almost explicitly in, in the cases of those like groups that are like a, they literally called him Lord Akira, Akira Sama, like they called him a Lord um, and a God. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I find it interesting that these these tales. Whereas American sci-fi has always had this weird reverence for technology, Eastern Japanese stories almost specifically have this dual take on it. And I think that Kira is a very wonderful poster child for that. Um, hmm. I think we equally are scared of technology. I, I think we... iRobot? Yes, yes. Remember... We grew up replicants. Yes, we grew up in our era where we now understand kind of the potential for technologies, AIs and shit like that. You think of the 80s and 90s sci-fis, the Star Treks, like the Star Wars. There is, yes, technology does pose a threat, but technology is Well, Star Wars is from a very, very long time ago, so. And and the galaxy is so far away. Like, Like, so far. So far. Bro, like a t- like like trying to go there, a couple parsecs. Yeah, at clearly, least clearly, which is just not the right unit of measurement. Fuck you, Han Solo. Okay. Um, in any case, that I, I think there's a there's a different take. Clearly, there's there's a there's more of a reverence for like the technologies, the cool part. Like the people using the technology are shitty, but in Japanese narratives, the technology itself. I will say, be, yeah, Neo Tokyo just looks like an utter horror show from beginning to end. Like, almost it, like a Dora Hetero kind of situation. Yeah, it really like, does yeah. not look like anyone's doing well. 
No one seems to be doing even the Supreme Executive Council. Yeah, they look like all twat. They, they, they look like they're they're they've gone through the ringer too, and they're gotten right. the best of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, definitely an interesting take on what they thought potentially like a post-apocalyptic future would look like. But I do like that you mentioned Evangelion because I think that ending idea of like Folius ascending and creating your own universe is very much like a a Evangelion, end of Evangelion type situation. There's a lot of shit from that era where o- almost like the the true, the, the apex of self-realization in a fantasy context is like, self-actualizing your own universe well it's like um like event horizon type shit right right that but almost as if like tetsuo was the supreme commander of that event horizon like once you breach that then you are now the controller of that. they've pierced the veil into the liminal space and now you own the veil itself i am the veil i am the veil i am tetsuo yeah (laughs) um but yeah honestly like i I, w- I wanted to at least save a good bit for kind of the cultural context and impact of this movie. So did you, but, have you ever seen the, I want to say it was the 1930s black and white film called Tetsuo? It's not the Iron Guy, is it? No. Yeah. no. Wait, seriously? Yeah. The, uh, y- the Metal Man or whatever. The Metal the Man, yeah. Isn't that like, yeah. Oh, bro. I never even put the two and two together. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, that movie sucks not in a bad way no, but I in kind of a bad in way a bad it's way. a very there's a drill sex scene in that movie yeah. right yeah that iron it's literally called tetsuo iron man and it is horrifying but it's literally shot for shot the last 18 minutes of akira right like, like and what an interesting thing it, it really plays on the idea of like i never put that shit together this oh weird God. liminal space or like i don't know what you would call it like other space where this like tiny entity is like infecting people with this ability. Yeah. It, it seems very similar to like the ending Akira. Like he's, he's all around us and he's yeah. like, a, he's being able to contact specific people and like basically cause absolute fucking mayhem. That's, and that's the, that's kind of the interesting, <laughs> again, it being a cultural touch point not just honestly in anime, but in animation in general, it shocks me that something of this, you know, edge case, this true outlier in what would considered be something like, it's almost as if this was made for nobody and therefore can be appreciated by anybody. Like, it's weird because it's just like, it's, this wasn't built for an audience. This doesn't feel like it was built specifically for any one audience at all. And I'm like, I think that gives it this weird, clean palette of of creativity that it's not like he doesn't feel tailored to any one group of of people at all. Shit, there's no there's no real big romance. There's like a little bit there. There's no like there's no reservation on like body horror or anything. Like it doesn't seem like no punches were pulled, no additives were synthetically imbued. Like it just. I, I felt, think potentially I it's it's. Obviously for entertainment, but more like a discretionary tale um, of like, don't disenfranchise your children. There's a lot of, there's a lot of tale. There's a lot of lessons to be learned from this shit. Don't nuke your own fucking state. Right, right, right. Don't, you know, don't over, overreach 
Don't overreach. Right. <laughs> I guess is is really the the deal. Yeah. So I mean, man, like I, I want to like Kamida's like he. Uh, I will say I felt that these characters are good. The story is good, but if you watch it now as an anime fan or as someone who's never seen it before, there's gonna come a moment, and this is if I were to generate a gripe that around. 30 to 40 minutes in and then about an hour and a half in like there's the, the middle third you're going to look at it like I'm finding this hard to follow maybe and there is reason for that I think that's it's a good way to start talking about kind of like the context of this movie why like and its creation and stuff like that um I don't know if you wanted to give it a rating before we jumped into that kind of shit um well I'll comment on that I think it does get confusing and in, in like you're it's hard to follow but i think it's more because there's so much going on in the world that they didn't do a good job of explaining like they mention that there's all these like like local unrest there's all these like domestic terrorism events there's this like police force gestapo they literally say in the english dub um but they didn't really explain like basically post-nuclear bomb, why it's, like, so martial law-esque. And you, did you feel, and just the question on this, do you feel that if this were made into a three-season show and ended there, that this would have been better as a narrative? No, I think one season, maybe. One season, maybe. Okay, fair enough. But you do agree that there's, it still needed some little bit more room to breathe. And just some of it's shit. I think. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it was shit. No, no. Some of the shit in the in the story needed more uh, room to breathe. Like, oh. like some of these factions, some of these other <laughs> I think people. I said some of it is shit. I'm like, well, not really. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> imagine the last five seconds. It's shit. Twenty out of ten. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Never mind. <laughs> I think um, what it just needed a little bit more time to live in its world. I think it. Then again, like they already spent a shitload of money. It already took forever to make. Like, they did not have the option, probably, I would guess, to do too much more, like, world building. Right. But, it, like, think about uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Oh. Edge Runners. Yeah. yeah. You, okay. you got, like, a really decent, like, feel for different parts of the city, but they were really relying on you knowing what the hell happened in the game. You know what I mean? That's like, fair. Like, That's there fair. is no accompanying piece to this other than the manga, and I ain't touched it, so I I wanted to get to that, but maybe you know what? We'll save the the overall ratings for the end because fifteen out of a hundred. that was higher than my fat baker's dozen. <laughs> That's right, a thirteen. But no, so I wanted to bring up some of the context about like the manga and the anime as it relates to each other because I found this rather interesting. So the director of this movie was Katsuhiro Otomo. We had brought up earlier that that is also the original author and creator of the manga. This movie came out in 1988. The final volume of the manga came out in 1990. And the movie itself, when you go back and read it, from what I had read and I had watched, that the movie is essentially the first majority of the first volume and the second half of the last volume. Again, this is not 
someone taking the creator's work and reimagining it. It's literary, literally, 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 Katsuo Otsumo is basically like Katsuhiro Otsumo's like creation that he went and created before it was finished. And then the movie influenced the revision of how he would end it. So what we got was a movie that was both inspired by and the inspiration for its source material. It was both at the same time. Intriguing. Right. So do we feel as though when I watched it, I did feel as though that they brought up a lot of really interesting threads that I wish I got more of. Case in point, when Kamida and Kay are inside of the cell together and she starts going off about the idea of where psychic power could come from, that we as humans have the capacity to generate energy through building houses, electricity, motors, and all this stuff. And we came from primates, and primates came from like this life form, and we keep going back to the primordial parts of the universe. Where do you think this, this energy of psychic power comes from? Apparently in the manga, it is not just flushed out, it's probably people, the reader's favorite part, unanimously. Like, the where do they explore that sci-fi thread? Um, hmm. But we don't get that. And what's rather interesting is that... But, like, sometimes going way into the weeds about shit like that is, like, not great. And I think also it's probably not what I would consider an evergreen theory. Like, I bet you in not too much time we're going to, like, figure out some, like, scientific reason why whatever the hell they're saying is, like, super stupid. A hundred percent. So I kind of like that. And and it's a little bit like mob psycho. They just say that there's a shit people... People fucking espers. I don't know. Yeah, they yeah they have esper. I don't know. You like it. dog got fucking powers. Yeah, and so it wasn't important. And I think that's that's it's good that he in interviews had said that I could only realize this vision in an animated format. That's why they fought so hard, got so much funding. Seven studios collab for this movie. Ten million USD. The the most expensive animated film I think up to that point, and maybe. Six I don't know about sense. Not We've sense. Had, not not sense. You don't think like the Dragon Ball movies have not been like more than that? No, I think definitely all of the new okay, movies good. have yeah, been yeah. more expensive. But up to that point and probably a good bit after, like there hadn't <laughs> been a movie that even touched that, an animated movie that touched that budget. Um, it made five times as much in the box office and for ni- in, in the 80s and like early, early 90s, that's huge. But I, I found that really fascinating to read that we got... The first 75% of the first volume and the last half of the last volume of a six-volume manga by the creator's own hand. And that movie inspired the, the, it inspired actually the way that he went the direction with the ending of his own manga, which, what an interesting, I don't, I don't even know what to, what to say about that other than like, this man clearly had an artistic vision, and I think an artistic vision not just for the way that the story would go in the mo- in in, a, in the manga medium, but in an animated medium as well. Like if you you told the guy to condense this what you had up to this point down to two hours and make an ending for it, he did, and it's a cultural touchstone. So he clearly understands his world. I'm just wondering if I were to read the manga, what would what else would I get that yeah. I didn't get from the movie? You know. Because the movie is, it's tight. I just <clears throat> well, discussed. it seems like a lot. Maybe, yeah, right. Maybe that like world b- building aspect is what, what I, you would, would I get. I even want that. Because your point, 
going into the weeds that hard i mean they, he probably goes kind of real deep in the, deep in the cut on that shit i, I think have, i'll I would, bring that up i would guess not like if you think about the fifth element movie you you get really these same aspects going on but you don't need to like know about them fair yeah and and you know me i'm i'm a fan of being let into like getting a nice window view of an overall world i don't need everything explained like the the way that the, the this movie does background shit and just have a world feel lived in is probably one of the best I've ever seen. But where's their food come from? Where's their food coming from, dude? I haven't seen a single green space ever. How are they not dead from all the radiation? There's a little bit. I think that they're just everyone just got used to it. They just got used to it. I think that's why Tetsuo's head is so freaking big. He has a sixer. Not a four head, not a five head. He's got a six head. It's huge. You can land an aircraft on that bad boy. Well, he's also taken out satellites with his brain. So his brain, he has a lot of wrinkles to store in that bitch. So we, we, we know, we know. Um, but there's a scene earlier on, like to, to show how good this movie is at doing background shit so well, is that like there's a guy in a revolutionary group that is being inter- about to be interrogated by the police. He pulls a grenade out that he smuggled in, pulled the pin for the revolution Grenade seems to be a dud. And then guy gets his ass beat all in the background while Kamida and Kai are meeting, Kay are meeting for the first time. And then you see in the background, the cop take the grenade away. They leave the building. Kamida and Kai are having, Kay are having their own like kind of interaction. And at the end of that, you see this massive explosion in the building behind them right. that was the grenade from before it wasn't a dud it just didn't go off yet so the oh god this movie just builds a world that's just so brilliant so that that made me think like and that made me do the research on the manga like okay there's clearly more to this world but in your eyes do you need any more than what you got in the movie i think for me i could i, I could be okay with not but i i'd be well, curious i'd be so curious i've seen to this see. movie a few times yeah and i will say for for 1988 it looks absolutely fucking phenomenal. Insane. Like, but I do feel like any longer, it would have been like, all right, this is getting a bit much. In fact, two hours, probably longer. Too long. I, it's like one of those things where like you watch the original Star Wars trilogy now, and you're like, fuck, this looks bad. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But even, even like, saying all that it does still look fine it looks it's just incredible like, yeah like i'm not gonna watch a three-hour movie about this right it's, fair it's fair like enough. uh fair enough yeah lawrence of arabia it's a literal <laughs> three-hour movie and it's like jesus dude right at this point you have to make it a show right like if, if you want to put any more content in that cut it up like make it a 10 episode i don't care um but i i hear you and i think like they couldn't have got it more perfect not for me not too long any longer to be problematic. Any shorter, I felt like it would have been paced weirdly. It had to be this exact length. It was exactly two hours cutting out the intro and outro. Yeah, I could have used maybe like a 130, 145. Okay. All right. All right. Cut a little bit of the chaff away. Yeah. My goal here is just in and out. In and, in out. and out, baby. <laughs> yeah. 45 minutes. I want it on three times speed. <laughs> I watched it in two times speed. Holy shit. <laughs> But I'm not, I'm watching everything in two times speed these days. You're running on a two times speed world. Maybe you gotta stop. Gonna, and, <laughs> maybe you gotta stop and smell the roses, my guy. Um, no, no. 
What if you can smell them at two times speed? <laughs> and then I'm in. <laughs> just Ethan dead sprinting down the road. Just, <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> I, think I got some daisies in there too. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Um. So I do want to give my reading. Okay. And I, I, I see you have some juice over there too for uh, some interesting facts. about. Yeah, this I movie. do have some juice. I want a little bit of that juice. So also the one other thing I wanted to mention is that like the like taillight. Um, How cool was drag that? Drag effect. How cool was that shit? I think same one used in initial D. I think so too. That might have been the only CGI in that movie outside of like the frequency graphic yeah, that yeah. they did. Which looked really, very new. Really good, didn't it? It honestly looked like <laughs> someone from 2020 was like, all right, let's put in a little bloop, 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 wave th- waveform. And then he faded away just like those children did. Back to the COVID era. <laughs> Uh, um so i think i'm gonna give it i mean it's place in history (laughs) it's just absolutely undeniable i'm gonna give it a 92 the only downsides are it does feel like a tad light on some details um but like you get the whole point so it's not really like it's not the end of the world (laughs) i'm i'm gonna put it at a at a 94 and Wow! The, the reason why I do that is because, as you, my current trajectory in this in the the two hundred plus era of Webology is, nineties have to have a level of universality, like amongst a, a wide array of fans. This one managed to to have a wider universal broad appeal, in spite of what you see on screen. What you see is this cosmic horror almost grungy political tale of a of a fantastical future japanese you know cult, like capital city that you look at it, this shouldn't work like i in my opinion this shouldn't be as beloved as it is and yet it is so masterfully done and so beautifully portrayed that you can't help but watch it and be like this is something truly unique so 94 is where i put it there are no 100s, but goddamn, is it close? Honestly. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly 100. Oh yeah, is there? Yeah, yeah where's that at? I already had a couple, I'm sure. Have we? Certainly. There's no way we. We were younger. We were younger professors then. <laughs> I'm certain I've we said 100 s- on something. Have you really? Almost certainly. All right, we need to go back to the. Uh, it's probably the, Doctor Stone first season. I wouldn't be surprised. This, I got to go back to the Saint stack and see our see our scores. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. It's in there somewhere. Um, but now that we've done our ratings, I want to drop some fucking steaming hot facts on your chest. Give me chest. the fucking juice, dude. <laughs> Give me the um, juice. I'm a thirsty lad. So first of all, um, one kind of aspect of this that we mentioned was it was like. A lot of people's first foray into seeing anime as like a little bit more risque, a little real. This this one's for the for the adults. A little more adults. Keep your kids at home. Okay. So along those lines, this is actually the second ever anime that was rated R. No shit. Yes shit. Holy shit. <laughs> um so the first was actually in 1974. It was called The Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat. Okay, I know Fritz the Cat. One, I didn't... Is it considered an anime, though? Like an anime? Uh, um, 
animated for sorry, sure. Animated films. That's even well. That's even better. It's high. It's that's the bigger bigger bubble, right? right. Yeah. So it, it very well may be the first anime, I suppose. Oh fuck yeah! Okay. Uh, as far as being um, his first Fritz, rated. Fritz art. got up to some shit. Yeah. So Fritz, the in in the nineteen seventy four movie was the was one that made history, being the first animated film to get a rated R. Um, it followed the adventures and misadventures of an anthropomorphic cat who engages in con jobs, sexual escapades, and drug trips, Whoa. among other things. True to its title, um, these are presented in nine segments, each representing the a life of the protagonist. <laughs> Wait, does he die in each one of those? Um, I don't, That'd be sick. <laughs> I did not peruse the film oh god if one is amused by this film its prequel fritz the cat is even more extreme as it achieved not only an r but an x rating and, and who said animation is just for kids uh not th- those weird <laughs> i don't know <laughs> the people responsible for fritz the cat yeah I, I i need some answers on that on that one so yeah so apart from like kind of the blood the military conspiracy and shit like that um the early, I guess, 1988 audiences um, saw that body horror, like, explosion thing, and it was like a... <gasps> yeah, one of the most classic pieces of horror, animated horror ever, I think. Honestly, right, the, so... The quintessential, um, yeah. A character undergoes that extreme mutation, turns into a colossal vein creature, giant proportions. Uh, such scenes also point to the near surrealist nature of the movie's rich and detailed visual imagery for which Akira is still a relevant piece of cinema. Um, now, in there's supposedly a new initiative for a live-action Akira. Holy shit. That Taika Waititi is supposed to be directing. The one who did uh, Ragnarok and Love, Thun- Love and Thunder? Yes. Oh, and the shit. one that did Jojo Rabbit. Oh right, he did Jojo Rabbit. Um, Bro, I I don't I don't know how they're gonna make that work in a live action situation, man. I think they can. I yeah, I guess so. But so it's not the first time that there was a potential AAA studio out there trying to make a live action movie. The first one asked for a three hundred million dollar budget for the live action film. Do you have a year on when they asked for that? I can look. That'd be fucked. Like, like even now, that's an absurd amount of money to ask for. Yeah, here he goes. Sony once uh, offered a live action version. Given the hyperbolic action sequences and epic scale, a live action version of Akira might seem fanciful. However, when blockbusters went cataclysmic in the 1990s, with the likes of Jurassic Park, the best movie of all time, and Independence Day, Sony did consider a live-action adaptation. However, they balked at the cost, um, the ostensible proposed cost, of $300 million. That's fucking insane. Almost the cost of the 2018 Avengers Infinity War project. Just look that up. Avengers Infinity War was $316 million in 2018 the same year they asked for that. So they wanted a the same amount of budget for this live action as a decades plus old established franchise. Probably the biggest one of that of that decade. What are you thinking? Like <laughs> I don't know, Sony, 
what are you doing? It's just not going to work. It won't work. Well, they wanted the the film, and then when they realized how hard it was going to be to make, they, <coughs> they saw it was going to be three hundred million. Yeah, for sure. So this is the most detailed anime film in the history on release. Um, what they meant by that is Akira used more than 160,000 single pictures Holy to create shit. the animation seen on screen, which was between two and three times the normal amount. Um, it also used 327 different colors in its drawings, a new record largely earned by the film taking place at night. Oh, with the, all the lights and shit. Yeah, the dozens oh. of light sources in nighttime settings mean okay. the midnight hours are typically avoided by animators. But Akira leaned into this challenge to create its sumptuous cityscapes. Ooh, all right. I don't know who wrote this, but I'm into the sumptuous Yeah, it's called yeah. 80s Kids. Yeah, all right, 80s Kids, let's um, go. <laughs> um, it was created in the style of an American animation. What does that mean? In exactly? Japan, manga films are generally drawn first and animated and then voiced afterward. But for Akira, the voice work was done first, more akin to American animation. Notice this, because every single down to like the side characters, their mouths were basically mocapped to the syllables of the Japanese sub. I was like, I haven't seen something like that since like Violet Evergarden did that shit. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, so... Back to the cost a little bit of the original. So it was the most expensive anime ever at the time. Akira was well ahead of the normal budget for animated films of the day, costing at least $5.5 million. This made it the most expensive animated production in Japanese history at the time, though it would be surpassed by the likes of Miyazaki's Spirited Away in 2001, costing $15 million. Fuck. Ooh, okay. In 2001, Akira was re-released with a new soundtrack and voice dub, Costing a further one million dollars. Fun fact: People commonly think that the um, the two thousand one dub might be better, but um, I don't know. There, I just saw a lot of back and forth online that the nineteen ninety eight nineteen eighty eight was better than the nineteen sorry two thousand one. But I I there was a fierce debate on which dub is better. But to know that that dub took one <laughs> an extra million dollars, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Spielberg and George Lucas claimed that the film was unmarketable in the West. Yeah, I read about this shit. When attempting to distribute Akira in the West, Otomo uh, sought the help of some of Hollywood's biggest names. Steven Ooh. Spielberg, who just did Jaws and Star Wars impresario, George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> George Lucas. <laughs> Oh, do you however, like that, guys? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it probably sounded great. Yeah. Um, however, both thought that the unabashedly Japanese movie would be unmarketable to Western audiences. All Akira right. would instead be distributed in the U.S. by the fledgling Streamline Pictures and went on to make a healthy $1 million with a limited release, as well as nearly 900,000 pounds in the U.K. Oh, British pound sterling. Now, this says it inspired Kanye West. The fuck did you just say to me? Yes. What? As a mark of Akira's cultural impact, multiple references to the cult movie can be seen in the music video for Kanye West's song, Stronger, released in 2007. This includes motorbike scenes as well as West being scanned by a machine. Oh, and Tetsuo was in the thing. Yeah. 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 The video was filmed in Tokyo without permits and among genuine <laughs> among genuine rioting. 
What? With West aiming to capture the futuristic essence of Neo Tokyo. Without a permit, though. You fucking maniac. Come on, man. Don't mind the writing. <laughs> it uses the same sound effects as Alien. Oh, really? It's not uncommon for movies to use the same sound effects. In fact, when it comes to something like the so-called Wilhelm Helm scream, yeah. it's, become, <laughs> it's become something of a joke. Yeah. Um, a Hollywood in-joke, it says. Basically. In the case of Akira... The sound of the machine scanning is the same sound used by Ridley Scott for the M U T H U R uh mother the mother in, yeah. uh 1979's Alien. I also noticed that they use the exact same sound effects that Eno uses for her mind transfer jutsu in Naruto yeah. when those things came down through the pipe like the the hover bikes. Um, it was one of the first films to depict outer space as a soundless vacuum. I also noticed that, dude. I love that. You might be surprised to learn that the music for Akira was completed before work on the script had even started. Yep. While this is undoubtedly an unusual process for making a film, it did lead to Akira being more scientifically accurate. If you Let's can do go. that, I'm a Let's... body horror sausage boy. It was a body horror sausage amoeba boy. Yeah. That's what it was. Uh, this is because it was then easier to bra- uh, create a break in the music when Akira enters space, as space is a vacuum. Sound generally cannot be heard. <laughs> Very no interesting sentence. <laughs> yeah. While this is a more common trope in modern <laughs> movies, in the 1980s, space was a field of intergalactic warfare, complete with bombastic explosions and lasers, the likes of Star Wars and Flash Gordon, um, rather, rather than, than empty. Yeah. They were saying. Honestly, like, I love the way they did that. Like, I hadn't heard something like that since One Punch Man, you know, Saitama jumping off the fucking moon. And it's just like this real, like light, like yeah. bassy, like push. And I'm like, okay, that was sick. But like, Akira did it first, man. Loved it. Um, yeah, there's some other ones here. Um, in in a scene where Kaneda is at a jukebox, you can see the logos of three famous classic rock bands: Cream, Led Zeppelin, and The Doors. And in my order, Doors. Oh, okay. Personal. Led Zeppelin's a better band, but I like Cream better just because they're kind of a grungy super group in 1991. Not important. Keep going. You like Cream? <laughs> cream is such a good band. Like, they're fantastic. Um, in, in the riot scene, Kay pushes past a man who is wearing a Young Magazine t-shirt. Young Magazine was the bi-monthly comics anthology series that the original Akira manga was serialized in. That was one of my facts. Yeah. I love well, that shit. unfortunately for you, I got to it first. No. Um, this is a fact that only I would like. Johnny Young Bosch, the English voice of Canada, went on to play. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Black we, Ranger. Yeah, he was the Black Ranger. In <laughs> but 19, he did. Yeah, so that's yeah. The only thing didn't that know really that. fucking that, matters. And I didn't know that at the time because I've like, the first few times I watched it, I watched it in the dub, so I didn't even realize. I know now that Johnny Young Bosch was Canada, but like, damn, I, I, I'm I'm. I'm happy I watched the sub. I'd never seen the sub before, and the sub was fantastic. Got to be dead honest. So this is from 2021, and it's kind of an interesting uh, little tingamaling I found on Vice.com. Um, I don't really peruse their selection very often, but in this case... I see that headline. I'm, I'm curious to learn about this one, too. In particular, um, 
Russian courts have banned Akira and other popular anime. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean up for this one. What now the it's, fuck? It's, it's evidently and kind of an um like a censorship issue more than anything. Like as far as like getting rid of rated R shit. Sure, but so the country's latest salvo against anime takes aim at Attack on Titan and Akira after previously targeting Death Note and more. What's very interesting about all those titles is they're all ones that pretty much make anime like for adults. So a Russian court in St. Petersburg banned a number of popular Japanese anime last week, including the films Attack on Titan and Akira, arguing that the titles are harmful to children's mental and moral development. (laughs) The films and series were reportedly banned at the request of state prosecutors and were uploaded to sites such as YouTube, RuTube, and Watch. Cartoons... Um, I think it's the just Moscow watch Times, uh, maybe oh, watch dot watch dot cartoons. The Moscow the Times retur- reported on Thursday, according to the government-run Ria Novosti news group. Ria Novosti. <laughs> um, it's probably like Russia international assholes. Novosti. <laughs> well done. Authorities also banned Legends of Mortal Kombat, Revenge of Scorpion, as well as a gory American animated web series called Happy Tree Friends. They banned Happy Tree Friends? I know, right? You remember growing up watching Happy Tree Friends yeah. online? Oh, what the fuck? Why these? Why these, right? Akira's older than some people making the laws for that. Like, kids don't give a fuck about Akira nowadays. That's why this. This episode exists to make them care. But why would they give a shit about a 35-year-old show? Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, evidently, court... 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 You court? I, that's the word. Court experts... Yeah, court. Came in and like, basically said it was like... Can push kids towards suicide, essentially. Like, self-harm. Really? Yeah. And, but, I'm trying to think of the over... Like, but they are unclear as to who the experts were, a.k.a. it was Putin. Yeah, right. Taking yeah, a big old the, shit on him. What the fuck? Um, like, so I the can't movie, even, Did they watch the film? Like, Well, I mean, it shows like a, a young population rising up. I don't think that they would want Akira shown, to be fair. But citing that as pushing them to self-harm and worse... Well, why would you... It is self-harm. If you rise up against the Russian government, they're going to shoot you, so... Yeah, if you do that by yourself, then you're going to get harmed. That's right. what's going on here. Uh, the moves come amidst what some Russian anime fans have described as a crusade against anime in the country. In January, another St. Petersburg court prohibited several websites from distributing a number of hit anime series, including the television series <laughs> Elfin Lead, which is very similar also to it um, Akira. Death Note, Tokyo Ghoul, and Inuashiki. What the fuck? Some of these are not like the others, my friends. And I'm just, I'm, 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 whatever. It's weird. Well, it says the reason that they got rid of Inuashiki is because it contains hints of unconventional sexual relations. Okay, I don't know about the hints. There's some yeah. pretty overs. Well, Strong I'm, sexual overtones. But no, I'm, I'm noticing that some of these two is like Elvin Lee and Death Note. Don't they have like some kind of inner, like, like international political struggles in both of those and isn't akira a kind of like a kind of pushing for some like i think it is i think all that stuff is kind of like trying to suppress like political uprising unrest dissonance, dissonance. and i think that again that that's not a bad way to kind of end is that akira is so potent that one of the largest powers on the planet 
still feel its prevalence, its relevance as a work of a disruptive nature 35 years after its release to the point where they have taken concrete, tangible political action against its work propagating within its borders. I don't know if you can have any more of like a cultural impact than that, where it's, in my opinion, been out of the public eye, I would say in the last seven to 10 years, like people have like uh, modern seasonal anime has kind of swept away the, the cultural eye to something else. But to be in that position, to be in a list with Attack on Titan and Death Note and others as something that potent, man, that's it literally kicked. It, it took recency bias out to the back alley and stomped it out like that's that's incredible to me that's really kind of a this is a cultural work of work of art and people are uh people are still finding it relevant to this day in whatever way they want to deem it relevant i guess (laughs) do you have any other sneaky facts that was all you kind of hit all my other sneaky facts sorry don't be don't be that was that was good the internet hit him not me the internet really hit him thank you the internet existing but um overall it's it's one that I th- I'd like to revisit more often than I think I have in the past. Um, I think the two times I watched it before this third time, <laughs> I hadn't, I hadn't little, I had no, and then some context. And now that I have the context I have now, it, it will remain and should remain in the eyes of anyone who wants to call themselves a student, a very important work. One that should be revisited every so often and if you've never seen it before, you know, do yourself the the service to go and really watch this film because there was in a lot of eyes a time before Akira and then a time after. Like this was that moment for many anime fans. We're in a post Akira timeline right now, folks. We are in a PATL post Akira timeline. I'm going to go ahead and give point it to after you. attempt <laughs> point <laughs> after attempt. But yeah, and we and it, and it lives in perpetuity in the mid 90s for me. And it has to. I mean, it's it's just that good. It actually, it was in the late 80s. <laughs> I'm Thank you guys for coming to class. Throw you out a window and you will land on a sausage boy. <laughs> I have one set up downstairs. Tetsuo is downstairs. Sounds Pretty honestly clear. kind of better than landing on the ground if you think about it. Uh, if, it if you watch the same movie that I did, because yeah. landing inside of Tetsuo was not a good idea. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> moving on. So we did get an email from a fan named Cody. Thank you for that email. And he suggested we watch Parasite the Maximum, or Maxim, which Ma- is very similar Maxim? to love, this show. I love that show. Um, now, we, of course, have watched the show. We we have just to do the we would do a rewatch yeah, slash yeah, yeah. talk arena about it, but um, certainly along the same lines as this show or this movie. Um, so that will eventually be on the horizon. But I just wanted to shout out Cody quickly. Thank you, and You're not make the, sure he realizes that we did indeed read the email. We did read the email. We do want to watch it again. You're not the only person to have suggested it via email. And if you want to pile on to the parasite pile. Go ahead and email us at webologypodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to contact anywhere else that you feel like you, you think you can or want to, they're all in the description of wherever you listen to this right now. By the way, you're listening to this. I know you are. You hear this voice. Therefore, 
You're just two clicks away from over 200 episodes of content now, plus some overtime stuff. And there's uh, maybe even 600. I don't know. There may be. <laughs> there may be a thousand episodes. There could be. There could be. That's all I'm saying. It's possible. Yeah. But depending ha- on when you're listening to this, here, here. What you do is start at one and then count. Just right. go. Just go all the way up and then just count and we'll and tell us what number you get to because at this point it's just a limitless number of content. Infinite content. Infinite content. Um, But if you would like to uh, come and talk to anyone about all this content and the stuff that we talk about, patreon.com slash ubology, $1 and up gets you into the Discord with all the lovely Patreon folk and our past guests that if you've heard them on our show, come on in there and talk with them as well. They're probably Um, in there. They're probably in there and they will pop in. Some of them aren't. (laughs) Some of them aren't, but if you do at them with some hot takes, they'll come alive. And they'll Truth. come. They they may come at you. They may be on your side with pitchforks or or love. I don't know. Depends on your opinion. And chopsticks. Maybe and always chopsticks. Doesn't love hate. Or come with chopsticks. I'm not really sure why, but they they always bring them to the conversation. And then three dollars and up gives you the syllabus sidebar, the lo-fi high vibes. Sometimes anime, sometimes not, and sometimes visual content. And potentially sometimes on hiatus. Potentially. Um, potentially. As in right now. Potentially. Um, uh, content. Uh, it's basically a whole nother show where you get to, I guess, learn more about us. Yeah. Particularly. Anything that doesn't um, fall in the anime bucket. Yeah. Rando shit that ain't anime. Rando do, for fandos. Yeah. We do play on. some like pretty fun, like uh, made up on the spot <laughs> um, uh, Just like game the pr- shows. The price is wrong. Right. Where we... <laughs> ask each other weird shit that's been auctioned online and we force each other to guess how much another human being was willing to pay for i don't know britney nap- spears nasty napkin yeah napkins or taylor swift's eyelashes or some shit like and people will pay a good bit of money for that how much you're gonna have to listen to syllabus sidebar to find out so don't google that because that's a really easy way to find that shit out i feel like that i shouldn't have shouldn't have led in with that well yeah i mean if like, you google it go- you're gonna ruin your viewing experience yeah but, but they never they don't get it through our lens if they google it that's what i just said you will lo- you right, will ruin right. your viewing experience but until people come into the fold into the inner sanctum to get what they could easily google through our curated viewpoint <laughs> i'm ricky and i'm ethan and this is Billy Bology. Uh, deuces <laughs> i i want telekinetic powers now i'm crying i just don't want the sausage bit i'm meow you're meow i don't want the sausage bit that's gross <laughs>